the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now, back to Lifeline. All right, we are back. Let's go to line one again and talk with Sean from Redland. Sean, are you there? I'm here, Pastor. Great. So um, uh, tell me how were you going to demonstrate and show some light in Isaiah chapter 8 relative to where we are today? Okay, I will. Thank you. Uh, So in Isaiah 8, the first uh, 11 11 verses you have to... Speaking of judgment, that's going to be bringing, being brought upon the nation yep. for their their rebellion, and and then the Lord shows. One second, let me get my Bible right here. Uh, the Lord then speaks in verse eleven. He says, "For the Lord spoke thus to me, Isaiah, with a strong hand, and instructed me that I should not walk in the way of this people." Do not say a conspiracy concerning all this people call a conspiracy, nor be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled. The Lord of the hosts, him you shall hollow, and let him be your fear, and let him be your dread. And and so the, there's this impending judgment that's being brought upon a rebellious nation by the Lord, and the Lord is letting his people know how to respond to it. That's contrary to how the people of the world, the people of the land, the rebellious folk, are responding to it. Sure. He says, like, so in context of today, (laughs) we see impending judgment upon us and coming and experience presently, and then these things tend to domino, and there could be a lot more, like the things you're talking about with the economy. But the Scripture's teaching that the Lord Jesus Christ is the one who executes judgment and rules over it for his own purposes. And that's what's going on in Isaiah 8 and 9. Yep. And this very well, what I see in Isaiah eight is essentially Psalm two, where the Lord Father gives Jesus the rod to rule the nations, yep. and you see Jesus exercising his rule in bringing judgment upon Syria, and then instructing his disciples in how to bring it and and how to sustain during it. Yeah, and if you if you go to verse. 14, he will be as a sanctuary, but a stone of stumbling and a rock to both the houses of Israel and a trap and a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Um, the last thing I'll say, because I don't want to be too long-winded, uh, the, this is correlated, correlative to in the early chapters of Matthew, <laughs> where it's dealing with the Lord's birth, and it says that he shall be the fall, both the fall rise of many in the house of Jerusalem, in the house of Israel. Yep. And it's, it's the idea that, that the Savior, the Lord of heaven and earth, is coming. A child is born, that's Isaiah 9, unto us, and the government will be upon his shoulders. <laughs> it's the idea that in the midst of a pandemic, in the midst of an uh, economic judgment, natural disasters that are actually God bringing about, the Lord Jesus Christ rules and reigns 
iron to punish the nation and to sustain and deliver his people. And he has his purpose unthwarted going forth in all history, all the New Testament. And it's going to culminate in his return in bringing his people home. And, and that's what I see in a, in a summary of what's going on in Isaiah 8 flowing into Isaiah chapter 9. Absolutely. Good job. It, uh, it has two applications, um, obviously, historically, with the destruction of the Assyrian uh, kingdom after punishing Israel significantly and scattering the 10 northern tribes. But it also had its uh, ultimate prophetic fulfillment redemptively in the era of Jesus, as you said. I and the children whom the Lord had given me for are for signs and wonders in Israel. And Israel was completely demolished for collapsing under and becoming subjugated to willingly the Roman Empire instead of the true and the living God. And thus they were smashed along with the Roman Empire. But the elect among Christ who listened to his words were able to escape that judgment and maintain being part of the long historical rule of Christ up to this present time. Hence, the Church of the Living God exists now 1987 years after that era uh, as the uh, uh, vicar on earth, our representative of Christ on earth, with the rod of the gospel in the salvation of men and women, and the judgment of God for those who rebel against that gospel. Uh, and this should be a comfort to, to God's people who walk close to him and adhere to his counsel. And, and the, Isaiah chapter the Isaiah text also lays out in verse 13, sanctify the Lord of hosts himself and let him be your fear and let him be your dread. That is our apologetic principle in 1 Peter 3.15 because Peter, along with Paul, had to teach the saints how to live in a crazy, broken, broken apostate culture and a world that was collapsing around them under tribulation as well, how to be able to do that with a calm, with a discipline, with a love for neighbor, with a willingness to suffer, and with a mandate to preach the gospel, and uh, hence the gospel triumphs wherever the people of God learn how to live a lamb's life. Listen, man, thanks for the call. We'll talk again. Let me go to line number two and talk with AJ from Dublin. AJ, are you there? AJ from Dublin, are you there? All right. I'm here, Looks like Are you hear me? All right. Yeah, I can hear you. Where were you at? All right, perfect. Uh, I was just, I was listening. I'm, okay. I'm, I'm, uh, I don't think you could hear me when I was saying hello. <laughs> okay. What's going on, man? Uh, not much. Um, I was just listening to the show and was wondering if anybody was going to call you because, you know, <laughs> it's a good, it's a good topic. And I just wanted to um, uh, share my thoughts. Uh, I think the question you asked was a really good question about, you know, will we, do we think we'll return you know, to the normal, well, whatever the normal was of, you know, of the past decade. And so um, where I'm at, you know, at least um, I can't speak for anybody but myself, but where I'm at is um, I'm looking at it. I'm, I'm, I'd, I'd love to, you know, use some sort of biblical relation, but, you know, I'm going to just keep it worldly for now and sure. just say um, I'm not 100% sure that we can get back to where we were because it seems like whoever the powers that be are, you know, making this transition and for, you know, the various reasons that, you know, we could talk about or speculate on, um, 
I don't I don't think they want us going back to the way that it was. I, I think separation is the idea, or at least one of the general themes that they're trying to um, perpetuate. Yeah. Out there right now, the the narrative is, you know, there's a threat. We're going to call it a virus, and it's out there, and you need to protect yourself from it, and here's how you do it. You have to separate from other people, and then we should be okay, and then eventually the solution seems like, it'll be some sort of shot in the arm, which is, you know, usually the solution to many things that, you know, are plaguing the the nation, right? But um, I just, I don't really get it, you know, uh, for the most part. I don't, I don't understand people, but that's probably because I I don't have my degree in sociology or whatever, but um, so I'll speak to like this, I've seen people get really, really, or it it seems like they're really, really gullible and Mm -hmm. fearful, but Mm -hmm. I think that can be attributed to um, either, you know, not knowing the Lord, um, because, you know, um, it's like I know that, you know, God's people are, you know, are supposed to be trusting and operating by faith, right? Sure, sure. And, uh, you know, if... If we're doing that, then I think in Proverbs it says that the name of the Lord is a is a is a strong tower, and the righteous run in and are protected. And I know there's more meaning and more need for clarification. It's a, for no, it's a great application. That's a great application. Okay, good. And I just want to say, you know. Um, you know, for the, the the picture that is being portrayed out there, there's a lot of hurt, for sure, yeah. and there's a lot yeah. of loss. But yeah. I don't think we spend enough time really um, honoring the Lord for His mercy. You know, yeah. I I think that that's that's missing a lot. Like I, I could rarely you know turn on the TV or talk to somebody about. Um, in time things right now, and the first thing out of somebody's mouth is how merciful the Lord is. Right. You know, so right. I think with, um, you know, with, you know, our small uh, platform, you know, um, you know, a piece of it should should also be how merciful the Lord is, because people have gotten this sickness and recovered. Um, And sure, they're not 100 percent. But, you know, thank you, Lord. You know, um, yeah, yeah. You know, because. He ultimately gives the healing because you yeah. can take all the medicine that you want and, you know, have all the ventilators that you want, but the ultimate healing comes from him. And he's made that very apparent in my life way, way before we got to this point. But sure. um, I'm, I'm just hoping that everybody who's watching what's happening is, is really paying attention to what God's doing and what he's trying to show us. And even though we don't know exactly what that is, he's just calling us to be faithful and to trust him ultimately. And and then go tell somebody else, hey, you know, well, I'm not really panicking about it because I have a savior, you know, who told me to trust him in any situation 
And this is why, and, and then we can get into the, the, you know, the Bible and the scriptures and, and the great comforts that, that are there. And, um, you know, there's judgment there, but you know, the, the God who, who I know also delights in mercy. (laughs) And that's how I, uh, I like to think about the situation. And I, I hope that, you know, obviously, like you had mentioned, there's a lot of um, theories and, and conspiracies. And, you know, we've um, seen the pattern of how our government works, um, you know, time and time again, um, the lies, the propaganda, um, disinformation, and, and just um, the fearful tactics, the dialectic process. Sure. Um, all of it just tied into this gumbo pot of of poison um you know just to get somebody to conform to uh how you want them to uh operate and, but i think i i think your your um i think your your mission statement is extremely important to uh for all of us to capture and i think smart people get it it's important aj and i i say this frequently to us you know that we need to count our blessings and and, and i talked about this yesterday in the sermon in part dealing with um how people can be stuck on yesterday instead of uh, understanding a future-oriented hope and, and, and therefore looking forward. Uh, forward is rooted in the optimism of, uh, of promises. So God gives us promises that it's going to be all right. And the believer does have to know how to tell people around them how to see God's mercy. This is a really important uh, theme that you're talking about. And don't lose it because very few people know how to bring a word of comfort in the midst of calamity. Most everybody is willing to kind of just sit around and commiserate and then kind of devolve into a kind of blame game and blame shifting and fear mongering and stuff like that. It is still required for somebody to say, yet the Lord is showing mercy this way, that way, and the other way. As I said in my opening monologue, as Americans, you and I have so many blessings that our third world country brethren don't have. Africa, uh, Central America, uh, many parts of the world don't even have what we have to even be able to withstand what the virus is doing. So we want to make sure that we are a model appointing people to, to the hope that's in the gospel and in Christ and yet still be able to do it with informing people about all of these nefarious factors. Listen, I got to take a break. So I appreciate your call and your contribution. Very good words. Yeah, let's remember to tell men and women there is mercy even in the midst of judgment. And that's what God is going to use to draw men and women who don't know what to do in this crazy mess. They don't know how to trust Christ until a believer comes along and says, this is what you do. In the midst of a difficulty, you call out on the Lord like a simple little child and God can show up to reveal his glory to you in the person of Christ. And you can find your heart comforted with the same comfort wherewith we who have been comforted of God are indeed comforted. That is the goal of the believer today rhetorically. There are a bunch of other things we could do, but that certainly is the goal so uh man those are those are those are really 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 good words and and don't play them down because they are critical uh in the days of the rebuilding of the temple in ezra's time and in nehemiah's time haggai the prophet habakkuk uh zachariah and many others had to preach 
to continue to build, be edifiers, build up, build up with truth, uh, be ready to deal with all of the carping adversaries, be ready to tell the facts about the way our government can conspire. I do want to talk about, you know, the, the, the troubling uh, solution of vaccines at some point, because that's that is definitely problematic. And it is apparently going to be a universal thing if the governments can have their way. And we just know the notion of injecting us as a mandate, a universal mandate, um, is a problem. It has been historically. It is today. It will be tomorrow. And we need to find a way to deal with it. Thanks for the call. I'm going to take another break. And when I come back, I'll deal with Jermaine on line three. So I have two lines open, one 367 You're listening to the Monday edition of Lifeline. Your host, Jesse Gistan. I'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline. And we are back. The time 635. We've got one line open, one 367 If you want to join us, one line open. Let us go to line number three and talk with Jermaine from Alameda. Jermaine, are you there? Oh, yes, I am. What's going on, man? Uh, uh, nothing much, Pastor. Just I had a question about uh, prayer. You have a lot of interesting topics today. Sure. Well, you know, I have friends who have served over in places like Malawi and other parts of Africa as missionaries. And um, since I joined a uh, particular ministry helping with, with prayer and whatever else I can, if I'm going to be honest, sometimes it could be a little just almost overwhelming with the sheer volume and, and some of the horrific nature of some of the prayers or prayer yeah. requests. And I know God answers prayer. I, I've been a recipient of that. But my question would be, how would you, I guess, how would you appropriately handle certain prayer requests? Because there are certain times where you're saying, thank you for dinner and, you know, thank you for allowing me to wake up. And then there's someone that has just something, some scenario that's just so horrific. I want to make sure I'm giving the proper time and the proper attention to that prayer. What would you say would be a good way to, to make sure you're doing that? Um, it, it would be, you would have to give me an example because the, what I'm thinking about right now, Jermaine, when you talk about opening yourself up to a larger community prayer forum, I kind of know what that's like. And, um, and for me, um, you know, it, it causes me some apprehensions only because, you know, the prayers can be done in such a, uh, thoughtless fashion relative to, um, being biblically informed about prayer so that a lot of times what we are praying for, um, really don't need to be prayed for because they come up under the, uh, immutable promises of God as part of his shepherding care in our lives. And so often, you know, people will say, well, pray for this, pray for that, pray for the other thing. And I struggle with um, that specific articulated prayer. It's easy for me to reroute it and frame it up under God's general providences. Or sometimes people will be asking for specific prayers to be answered that don't even remotely take into consideration the will of God. Pray that I get this Pray that this happens and pray that that happens and pray that that happens and pray that that happens. And when I hear a series of basic uh, willful 
prayer request that doesn't even begin to take into consideration the will of God as the Lord made it very plain, not my will, but thine be done. And that, you know, if it be according to your will, may this occur. And, you know, our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Um, and then not only is it content that I worry about, sometimes I worry about expression, you know, people getting, you know, super carried away. If you're talking about a prayer forum where people are getting carried away and failing to realize that there is a significant difference in a public prayer forum than there is a private prayer forum. Individuals praying privately can pray any kind of way they want to. God may or may not pay any attention to their prayer, depending on how you know silly it is or how emotionally errant it is, um, because he, he's not moved emotionally. Um, but if you're praying with me and you're falling out and you're acting up and you're praying in ways that are more uh, or less, you know, demonstrating that you just you just want to be heard, then that's offensive. That's not the kind of prayers we want. But now I'm not even particularly sure if what I'm saying is speaking particularly to your uh, your question. But I'm hoping that I'm building towards it when it comes to. Um, uh, people's specific prayers, and maybe I'm concerned whether or not their prayer is really fitting into a category that subordinates itself to the will of God. Um, if I'm concerned about it, as I stated a little earlier, I will modify that prayer. I'm not going to just echo what they request of me. If I believe that their prayer is naive, if it's misguided, if it's selfish, if it disregards the character and nature of God, I'm not going to I'm not going to replicate their prayer rhetorically. They're not going to hear me echo their prayer. Um, and and so, you know, how, how does that help so far? Uh, thank you. Uh, you know, tremendously. Um, my my main concern, I should say, I don't know if it's concerned, but this, I was kind of wondering about is, you know, you might get prayer requests from people who are experiencing things in other countries. And right. the brother was speaking earlier. Where I know I, I'm very thankful every single day that I'm here in America because I understand what people have gone through, um, right, just right. From the stories alone. You know, just where you know they may have to run for uh, being caught with the Bible, but just making sure, giving proper attention. Like someone asks you to pray, and I, and I have matured to the point where, you know, I've modified prayers where I understand a person asking me to pray is almost they're trying to treat the prayer as a, a magic formula, or yep. incantation, yep. or something of some type, and I. Uh, I've learned not to do that in this essence, you know, you know, do they know what the will of God is concerning what he's already said in his word right. before I even go there. But just when someone may ask you to pray, hey, uh, if we get caught, we'll be going to jail. Can you pray for us? There have been times where I was just kind of like, hey, how do you pray for something like that? Is this, is this like an all-day prayer? Is prayer supplicated throughout the day? Or, you know, just more along that line, like making yeah. sure— yeah. proper attention for that person interceding for them like you want yeah, yeah absolutely that's a great that's a great question and basically what I was thinking about as you reformulated your 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 question or restated it I was thinking about how when a person asked me to pray for something and and my heart is available to hear that person and then to receive what they're saying, sympathetically putting my feet in their shoes, uh, my initial uh, frame of mind in my prayer to God 
is deeply sincere and sober so that I'm, I'm not trifling with a very important matter that a person is entrusting me with. So I'm not, I'm not just trying to be religious and make them feel good. I'm, I'm now really taking this to the Lord. And then if the Spirit of God sustains in my heart a real concern for that person, then my prayers are going to be repetitive around that matter uh, spontaneously just when I, I think about those individuals. And this would, this would go to another fundamental principle that if we are largely walking in the Spirit, uh, there will be times when God will interrupt you and me from our normal everyday task where we're distracted by life and bring to remembrance an individual for whom something as dire as you ex illustrated exists. And, and, and it's easy to talk to God for me in that moment with a sincere desire, Lord, help that person, Lord, help that person. And, and know that my petition is heard of God because he has plainly told us to intercede. He's plainly told us to step in the gap. He's plainly told us to bear one another's burdens. And so I'm more than confident that God is using my prayer as he has called us all to collaborate with him for, for those purposes. And you know already that, you know, when you are in the way of the privilege of praying for people, uh, what we often see is, is, is God answering prayers. And sometimes the prayer is answered positively and, and that that prayer has been heard and granted according to its request. And then sometimes that prayer is, is answered <clears throat> in a negative way where God has shut a door for that individual to no longer advance in that subject matter. And, and we go, okay, God had his way. I, you know, I, I, I pray passionately for people that are sick with viruses and diseases and cancer. And sometimes God heals that person and moves them forward in their life. And I'll pray passionately for a person who has a diagnosis of cancer, Germaine, and two days later they go home. They go home to be with the Lord or they pass from this life. What we know is God is sovereign and we don't twist God's elbow arm. We don't tell God what to do. He does what's best. He does what's right. Our prayers are always subordinate to the will of God at all times. And that keeps us from a false or true guilt complex. Yeah, and uh, I've experienced some of the same thing. And if anything, the prayer requests have helped me improve my own prayer of life and made my own Bible study a little more honest and, and seeking God's heart in matters. So, yeah, yeah. I appreciate your answer. It was great. Yes, indeed. Great, great, great question. Bless you, my brother. Very good question. I, I, we all need to have a kind of prayer life going on, which indicates that we are in relationship with believers in a substantial way. Uh, given where we are in our society, uh, with the social distancing and how easy it is for us to isolate and separate, which is a fundamental contradictory uh, posture for the believer, because the believer are called to be sheep. That means we flock together. The idea of being separated is not biblical at all. But because we are presently dealing with a mandate that isolates us, we have to use this technology to make sure that we stay bound together in the unified purposes of God, collaborating together on as many fronts as we possibly can if we are people of faith and believe that God uses these means to get things done as we are doing every Monday when we come together for two hours around the word of God and issues that we're dealing with. Sae, 
from Oakland. Hold on. I got to take another break. When I come back, you and I will have a conversation. I've got two lines open. one 367 Two lines open. one 367 I'll be right back. And now back to Lifeline. And we are back at the time, 6.50. Let's go to line number one. Talk to Sae from Oakland. Are you there? Pastor Jesse? How are you? Hi, how are you? Great. How do you how do you pronounce your name? Faye, F-A-Y-E. Got it. All right. How can we help you? Pastor Jesse, I thank you for taking my call. Um, I'll try to be as brief as, po- as possible. I have a situation with my cousin. This is my favorite cousin. This is my best friend. She's like a daughter to me, and I'm about 15 years older than she is. Sure. We recently um, were texting back and forth. I'm not really one big on text because I know they can be misinterpreted and people yep. don't know the tone. Yep. But the situation is, is now she's angry. I've apologized, um, and I've sent texts. She's in the hospital. She has cancer. And first, I'm, I'm thinking that um, that she's not getting my text, but then I talked to another cousin, and she is getting the text. He's just ignoring me. I've been praying for her and praying for her, and I love her dearly. And, Pastor, what I wanted to know is biblically, should I just pray, just continue to pray and leave it alone? I don't know what to do, and I would hate to think that there's something that can happen to her and that she'll leave this earth with unforgiveness in her heart. I don't have unforgiveness in my heart. And when I talk to people, I don't say things to hurt them, at least not from my perspective. But sometimes, I mean, it's, it's not about, it's not about, uh, it's about the way that people receive things. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah, it does. What you're saying makes sense. Now, I need you to cut your radio down. It is off, sir. Okay. So, yeah, well, you know, if you've been around long enough, what we all know is that, um, that, you know, people can misunderstand us and, um, and that often people will be offended by things that are not necessarily directly related to what we said, but, you know, kind of remotely or secondarily. And that really not, is not about us, but because we were the vehicle by which something was provoked in that person emotionally or psychologically or circumstantially. Obviously, for them, you know, you become the enemy and they need to uh, cut themselves off from engaging you. Um, As a Christian, we should be operating out of the mutual framework of forgiveness, but that is a very small commodity in our world today, quite frankly, even among uh, professing believers, it seems that in our present time, we are definitely far more inclined to punish than we are to forgive. And it has its consequences all over the place, uh, to say the least, uh, you know, separation and offense and hostility and stonewalling and just a ton of things that come with uh, people not uh, wanting to reconcile. Uh, and when you have done what you could to to explain yourself and hopefully uh, been able to say for whatever reason uh, you are offended, I'm sorry, you've actually done all that God would want you to do because a lot of times these things that are happening where people are upset with you are not even really about you. You can't know that. 
You cannot know it. And to take on the guilt of another person's refusal to embrace the overture of apology is inappropriate. That's not your job to do. Uh, to also begin to conjecture, you know, what might happen to her, how she might die outside of the Lord or in unforgiveness. That's not your business. That's not what you are to spiral into being concerned about, uh, uh, say, your job is to uh, make sure that you are clear as possible in letting your, uh, your relative know that you didn't mean any harm whatsoever and that you are sorry and look forward to reconciliation. And then you just, you pray for her and leave her with God. God's big enough to work on her in the hospital, in her circumstance, um, all by himself without you and I wringing, you know, our hands, hoping that somehow God can handle it. That's not, that's not for you to do. You're, you're, you're pray for her and then um, keep working on your relationship with God. Thank you, Pastor Jesse. All right. Bless you. All right. We've almost come to the end of the program. We've got five minutes. Um, if you want to try to call, you can. one 367 But I will say as we're winding down, if you want to join me in Bible study, live stream, I'm on. Uh, I'm in the book of Revelation, and I'm going verse by verse, picking through and helping people understand the, the framework of that book, who's in control, um, who the protagonists are, and who the antagonists are, and dealing with it from a very historical standpoint and capturing the uh, correlation between uh, Christ's rule over his church uh, in, in this world for God's glory and, and for our edification. And, uh, and, and it's been very edifying. We have a very good turnout. But if you want to learn more about the book of Revelation and, and get into the seven trumpets and the seven bold judgments, if some of that stuff was uh, opaque and difficult for you to understand, I do make application as we go so that it can be relevant to you. But we're on every uh, Tuesday at 630. And then around 730 or 745, we enter into a a larger uh, national prayer service. People from all over join us in prayer for about 15, 20 minutes, praying for all kind of needs, the, uh, especially that you heard Say talking about. Uh, so yeah, stay on from 6.30 to 7.30, and then about 7, 7.35 or 7.40, we get into prayer till about 8 o'clock. It's a great way to end your Tuesday evening. And then Wednesday, I'm unpacking the book of Revelation even further, at 6.30, so Tuesday at 6.30, Wednesday at 6.30, and then again Friday at 6.30, I do a Q&A. By the time I work through several passages in the book of the Revelation of Jesus Christ, you guys have questions, so we're going to be dealing with a series of questions this Friday. If you have any questions, you can, uh, you can email me at GBC Hayward, all lowercase, GBC, like Grace Bible Church, GBC Hayward, at gmail.com, gbchayward at gmail.com. We've been enjoying a fairly consistent uh, group of, of, uh, of students for the uh, duration of this uh, shutdown, shelter for cover uh, uh, mandate, and uh, I'm, I'm enjoying it. And I'm, I'm glad to see people that are willing to learn the language of the book of the Revelation and get a much more historic view of it and application in terms of the gospel and its, uh, its place in our life. So, yeah, you guys are welcome to, uh, to, to join us then as well. I do want to say as we get ready to wind it down that um, a lot of what we talked about today 
is extremely important. There will be uh, no returning, in my opinion, in my consideration, to a kind of normalcy that we've had before. And I am definitely also concerned about a growing uh, series of, uh, if you will, birth pangs leading up to more crisis. And for that, I really do want to encourage the believer to be watchful and to be vigilant and to be biblical. Uh, don't try to be a Christian without being passionate for your Bible. It won't work. You'll be blind. Get good teachers around you to help you see Jesus and see him in the scriptures. That's where your hope is. Until next time, keep your eyes on Christ. Uh, he is able to save you. He is able to keep you. He is able to comfort you. The Father, the Son, and the Spirit of God. Until next time, God bless you. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Communications, all rights reserved.